Welcome to another episode of the Shop Class Podcast. We're winding up our season two as we're all going through this transitional period. Our style has transitioned a bit. We are now meeting weekly via Zoom. If you're interested in tagging along, you can email shopclasspodcast at gmail.com or I'll put a link in the description of this episode here uh, where you can sign up for our mailing list through one of our new partners, Matt Bloomquist of Build, Learn, Teach. So enjoy this episode where we feature Justin Dietrich again. This is part two of that recording. Justin's got a lot to say, very well-spoken man, great family man, and this will be a a break from the COVID-19 crisis, a little bit flashback to the way things were and we'll probably return to and you know the nice thing about about Justin that I admire a lot is he's the type of guy that builds good connection with his students and maintains a very very healthy family family role um, and we actually talk about that a little bit in this episode and with Mother's Day having passed and Father's Day coming up, I, I just want to communicate my admiration to the the parents who are also teachers out there, and Justin being one of them, and any of the rest of you that are following along. Thank you. So without further ado, enjoy. Okay. All right, welcome back. This is the uh, Shop Teacher Podcast with Mr. G and Mr. Barbercheck. This is going to be round two with Justin Dietrich. Uh, we got him here on the line, and uh, Matt's going to give a recap of part one. If you didn't hear part one, go back and listen to that, or you could just get this recap right here. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jay Dietrich was uh, on last time, and we got to introduce to what, your 12th-year 12th teacher, mostly building trades experience. Uh, well, yeah, like 11 years of building experience sounds like one year wood shop. Um, we talked about that transition. It was really interesting um, to hear um, him as an experienced teacher talk about new teacher experiences. Uh, and I think anybody who listens to the last episode will find that value as well as we talked about um, the isolation of being a teacher and uh, the fatigue that comes with it. Uh, and we also even got into a little bit of shop maintenance stuff there at the end of it. But um, I know Ron's got a question for you too, but I, I got one thing that I kind of wanted to go back to as uh, we took, as we had our little break and I could think about a couple of things. Um, we were talking about that fatigue, that teacher fatigue. And uh, Justin, you were talking about how you had some work experience in industry and how you thought teaching would, would not compare to the energy level required. <laughs> and that at the end of the first day, you were like physically, you had physical symptoms <laughs> due to your exhaustion. Uh, yeah. And what I was thinking about when I try and explain that same feeling to others, because we've all kind of had that, um, is when I try to explain this to others is, yeah, there's the th funny thing about teaching is that there's a physical toll because you're on your feet moving all day. There's a huge mental toll because you're making tons of dis decisions all day. There's a giant emotional drain 
when you're dealing with students who have their own emotions and usually you know like somebody's not having a great day because of some very negative circumstances um so even and then even the emotional highs while they are high still take a lot of energy out of you and then on top there's a um social drain like just being that social all day if you got any intro if you got an introverted bone in your body like that's going to be an energy tax so when i try to explain mm-hmm. it to people i'm like guys it's a different type of fatigue i can do concrete work all day long come home <laughs> hop on cad do cad all night long and do that all day all week um but when i get done with teaching yeah i can't do much more than stare at a wall so <laughs> So I thought that was probably valuable for many just because I think we all need that reminder of it's like, no, you're okay. Teaching really is that hard. <laughs> um, but I was curious what both of you did and I'll share kind of some things I do and maybe people can chime in on this as they listen to it by messaging us or whatnot, or hopefully get some, um, something they can use for themselves. But what, uh, what do you guys do? Uh, Ron, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you do when you're that what what keeps that total shutdown fatigue at bay for you? Exercise. Really? It, 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 yeah, it's it's all about that morning routine for me. So if I, I okay, so I have to be there at uh, seven forty in the morning. That's when the 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 bell or like like from the like from a a Flintstone cartoon. That's when the the factory whistle blows. You know, woo! That's it. Now it's time to get nice. to class, right? Now, if I just fought 30 minutes of traffic and another 25, 20 minutes of finding a, a spot, which is like musical chairs in my neighborhood, there's no, I don't park in the same spot every day. Every day is different. It's crazy. But anyway, so uh, if I run into class and barely get a cup of coffee and then I run in there, I'll be okay for a couple of periods and I'll make jokes and whatnot, but a bit, by the end of the day, I am just shot so what i do is um i'll go for a bike ride and you know at night in the middle of the night i'll go you know by the time the day's over it'll be like you know 10 o'clock or whatever and i'll just go out because it's a lot nicer then there's less cars but it's exercise so the days that i to summarize the days that i exercise before work and get a good breakfast it's not a problem it doesn't even it doesn't even phase me uh, on days that I rush into work and go straight from commute to um, like traffic to teaching, there's there's the friction of that. And then I think what it is is that the problem with the school system is that with me is that there's a lot of fake emergencies. So there's the bell which stops the work or starts the work, but it's not real. That's not really <laughs> <laughs> it's not really what's going on. The, the kid either, uh, you know, the kids are either are going to transition into it and then there's, there's an arc to their enthusiasm and whatnot. And then same with me. Like we are, the earth is round because we're in a rhythm. You know, the bell, the bell's digital. It's not realistic for human beings, you know. <laughs> so, so it's the fake emergency that gets me, like the fire drill in the middle of like the best teaching moment. And we have them all the time because they're required. So I'm like, what I do is I, I just got to laugh. So, and then, and then I'll go for my long, like I'll do like a two hour bike ride at night and I'll, I'll feel like a hundred percent better. And I'll be like, okay, that ain't so bad. You know? So that's what I do. Nice. 
Nice. How about you, Justin? You, while you were teaching building trades and whatnot, what did you find really helped you? And I'm going to add a level to your question, if you don't mind. You're also something that both Ron and I are not, at least as far as I know, and that's a father. So <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm always fascinated by people who teach as well as have kids. Uh, so if you could um, kind of share that experience. Uh, yeah, what's your, what's your reset button look like and how, how does having kids affect how you hit that too, you know? Yeah. Um, well, honestly, when you're a father, uh, you have to do a lot of self-sacrificing. I mean, and which is, it's just a balance. Like all I can really attribute anything to, and it's like kind of like a personal just belief of mine is that like, not to get too deep, but to me, everything in life is a balance. Like too much of any one thing will lead to burnout, wear out, you know, and beat you down on some level. And so, um, you know, it, I do probably the most stressed I get during the school year is when I'm coaching wrestling, which is, you know, from November through late February for us. And during those times I'm going from, you know, some like, some, you know, early in the season we have morning practices. So I'm getting to school at like six thirty, And then um, by the time I get home, it's usually seven o'clock. So and then for my boys, my boys are young. We put them down at eight o'clock. So that gives me, if I didn't see them in the morning, that gives me one hour with them that night. Wow. And so that really, those are the times when I get stressed because I'm not around my family a whole lot. So I start feeling guilty, you know, so I start feeling guilty that I'm not around them, but I've got a teaching job that I have to go give a hundred percent to. I have a coaching job. I have to go give a hundred percent to. And all of that just, yeah, it's, it's tough, but trying to balance all of it. Um, as far as like little things that I try and do during the day, uh, I'm, I'm much better than I used to about um, not getting like trying to control my emotions a little bit, like not getting too wrapped up. If a kid does something dumb, you know, or there, I have a particular class that just doesn't listen, doesn't want to do their stuff. You know, they're, they're really difficult to come to every day. Um, I try not to like get too wrapped up into that. And I try and keep myself centered, you know, because if I don't, and when you let those emotions pull you, pull at you, that's when I notice like my energy drops, you know, pretty hard at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, totally. Yeah, it's, 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 but again, it's just a balance of, of everything and not getting too wrapped up. Now, the one thing I will say that I, I feel, especially I've, I've done for the last five, six years, I, I'll take one or two students that I have a lot of trust in, that I have a lot of respect for, and I'll start handing stuff off to them, you know, and obviously not like grading or anything, but like anything that I'm like, if, if this kid can help me either maybe this kid is uh, ahead of his project and he can go work on it put a blade replace a, bl a blade on a table saw or something like that you know if you know obviously those are your better kids that you trust and that you can you know, give that trust to but I start relying on kids you know hard and 100% honesty I mean I'm just being honest I start backing off on um 
sometimes certain deadlines or anything like that with kids, if it's stressing them out and stressing you out and, you know, and probably not everybody will agree with me on that, but I've also gotten to a point where it's like, well, my thing, my thing with trying to teach in a shop is, are they working? Like, are they working and are they trying? And if they're doing that, I'm pretty lenient on stuff on pretty much across the board. But if they're screwing around, not paying attention, getting in trouble, stuff like that, then I, I get a lot tougher on them. But I kind of, I'm better than I used to be on just trying to say like, well, on my syllabus, it had us at this point at this time of the semester. Sometimes you're two weeks behind that, you know, or sometimes you have two classes, one class is a week ahead of the other one. And you just try and go with it and not let it wrap you up too much, but easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's, that's like the whole, and you know, we talked about this last time too, like you mentioned, maybe people don't agree with you, but we were talking last time and you know, Ron said at one point, yeah, you got to do what works for you. And yeah, you know, every, there is nothing that is more variable than a classroom to another classroom that are supposedly <laughs> two of the same things, you know, it's, it's like crazy. So, um, so yeah, but it, I just wanna, Matt, I just want to add to that. So, um, I could totally relate to, um, what Justin's saying. Like if you get into, uh, I call them, uh, I mean, I'm not speaking for Justin, but for me, I call them teenager arguments. Uh, <laughs> This is like the biggest mistake of my teaching career would be, would be, yeah, would be to get involved with uh, like a, no, you know, like try and argue with a teenager over facts that both of you have memorized. This is, this is horrible. I, I have learned back out of all of that. And now I'm trying to design my projects uh, so that I have less to do with the subjective, like, Hey, you should have made the radius a little bit better. And they're like, nah. And I'm like, wait, 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 not nah. Let me tell you why. I used to say that. Now I'm just like, all right, yeah, whatever. Uh, but I, I've gone down, I've got gotten to a lot of teenager arguments, and it's like, you know, you're doing it for their benefit. You're like, come on, you could do better. And it's like, you know. So I try and do less of that. And then you're right, from like an outside perspective, someone could say, Well, it looks like you gave up on that project with that student not really because when you let the students make their own mistakes they'll come around on their own that's a lot of mm -hmm. give and take right there I mean that's it's not easy being a teacher that's the thing you know no. so. yeah that's crazy uh yeah. yeah I've been trying to give students more leadership as well and you know a lot of this this is an, another parallel or non-parallel between education and pretty much every other industry is like most most industries or like startups or businesses recognize like there's a certain span of control like one person can't really effectively control 30 people like uh, i think it's even a, like kind of a military rule like one person oversees eight people you know I, as far as a leader follower relationship goes because once you get much more than eight with your number of followers it's just like more than one person can handle but we put 30 kids in these classrooms <laughs> <laughs> trying to do Pack them in. so what like justin said sharing responsibilities i at the end of the year last year i got to where students would walk in um they'd set one of my timers because we do that for a start of class meeting um and then they would lead the meeting 
um, themselves. And like, I remember the pinnacle of that whole experience was like one time I was late cause I was like talking to my principal or using the restroom. I don't know. And, um, they'd already started without me, you know, they, they had the board up, they had the timer going, they ran the meeting, um, and they finished before I even got there and everyone was, was doing what they were supposed to do. And that was like, holy shit you know like how do i clone that for every single day <laughs> so it was it was cool yeah it's fun i love that you did that and um i saw a video of that Matt. Yeah. i don't know do you have that is that in a uh instagram clip or no, like where? linkedin it might okay, be okay so too but i think the full video is on linkedin Okay, so if someone looks up your LinkedIn, they'll, they might be able to go back through a few posts and see your meetings run by the students. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, you might scroll That's down. That's a good one. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It's not perfect, but it's like, it's actually that room, right, where you're sitting? Yep. Yeah, I have inter this is where we meet, and then we go down. The shop's right next door. We go down to the shop um, immediately awesome. after. But, cool. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know what just made me think of this, but um, – halfway through the year i i put something up on instagram um i think it was on the rail splitter wood shop one and uh i was kind of like reaching out i think i tagged some of you guys in it and kind of asked how you guys dealt with this but here's kind of a question um when you are because this kind of ties into uh my question ron was kind of about like how far do you let them fail like what at what point do you interject like, do you let them destroy a project? Do you let them like burn it to the ground or because in my opinion, there's no real right or wrong answer there, but it's just different variances. But what I was getting at was I had posted a picture of something that a student had done and it was, they had done a good job for their talent skill. They had done a good job. There were some errors. There was things even from the picture that anybody like in woodworking would be able to point out and be like, uh, well, that could have been done differently or that should have been done differently or that type of stuff. And I then from a comment that I got off that is what led me into how far do you let him fail? Because there is from that when, and when you're putting stuff on Instagram, you're putting it up for anybody to see. You know, and it's not just in a school setting where you guys understand what it's like. You know, I understand for you guys, at least, you know, what you're dealing with, the types of kids you're working with. Whereas people, you know, there might be a guy that sells insurance that follows us on Instagram. And he's like, geez, that kid did an awful job. Well, what he doesn't understand is that kid has like a learning disability and like is terrified to use a table saw or something. And, right. you know, maybe did stuff like that. So. My question being is like, where, at what point do you let them fail? How far do you let it go? Um, and kind of how do you deal with some of that? Because there's, you know, I run into some of it a little bit and I just, eh, whatever. But it is out there because it's like, hey, these are, my, my opinion is that these kids are learning. And like outside of as long as they're being safe, I don't want to interject. Like I'll help guide them. But as you guys know, there's certain kids, there's kids that you can sit down with and say like, Hey, here's where you, here's where you need to change this or here's what you need to do differently. And then there's other kids that'll shut down as soon as you say, Hey, here's where, as soon as you say that they build up a brick wall and that's the end of the conversation. You could say whatever you want after that and they're not going to absorb it. So 
Mm -hmm. How do you balance that between those two types of kids, I guess, is might be a good way to frame the question. Okay. Um, Matt, you mind if I go? And I know this, this is, hits all your favorite topics, so <laughs> you got the floor, man. All right. Um, okay. So this is a difficult one that will never get solved. <laughs> the only solution I ever found, I'm going into my 15th year, the only solution I've ever found for this would be uh, contest, uh, competition. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what I mean is, um, like, uh, you know, there was a kid working on a chair, and uh, he's doing a, a repair for it, and there's no contest for that. It just has to be done, like, it's like a classic chair. It's the Lion chair. It's actually from Illinois, Aurora, and, um, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, uh, it's like a classic 60s industrial chair. And so, I, I thought he was going to make a replica part and weld it in, and then, uh, he didn't, he like cut corners and it, it was all jagged and this and that. And I never set up the parameters and I just walked over. I said, Hey, you know, you probably should fix all those sharp edges. And also, I don't even know if it holds a square. And he was like, why, well, whatever. And I was like, nah, not whatever. <laughs> and now we're in the argument. Now, now we're in the argument. <laughs> now it's on, it's on. And then I, and then I turn my back cause I'm like, whatever. And I hear banging on the thing with a hammer, like, ding, ding, ding. And I'm hearing this, and I can, you know, shop teachers have hearing that's like 360. And so, <laughs> so I come back, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and he's like, well, whatever, you know. So now we're in, now we got an attitude sprinkled on top of the teenager argument, and it's getting worse. So I was like, okay, that's it. Nobody's using any tools. I overreact. <laughs> we're laughing because we've all been there yeah. <laughs> we've all yeah. said that that's it we're all done <laughs> that's it man it's over nobody's working put that down you should not have, i have like a big button for the room bam no power. <laughs> except for the lights so then we come in the next day and they're like can we work and i'm like nope that kid's got to apologize and show me what's going on. And da, da, da. Like, oh my God, we get to day three and you know, they're kids. So they know the game. So they, so I said, okay, are you ready to apologize or whatever? And the kid's like, nah. And I'm like, oh my God, he called my bluff. <laughs> so I'm like, oh God. I was like, okay, okay, okay. No, forget it. So I cut my ego. <laughs> Cut it down. And I, and I went back and I said, okay, 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 okay. L let me just understand. Is it that you don't know how to make it correct and you thought like I was yelling at you and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, can I show you how to do it? But you don't have to do it that way. But like, this is kind of my recommendation. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I was like, Whew. that was a close one. And it worked, you know? So the thing is like, if I had said to him from the beginning, this is my only thing I would say. If I said from the beginning, okay, here are the rules. It has to hold uh, 200, um, 200 pounds, and it has to be square in every direction from 50 pounds. Or I had anyway. Long story short, if I had rules and regulations, he would have to meet them, and there would be no argument for me. The problem is when you get into opinion. I think there's the only way to 
to, to do that, the opinion, subjective corrections is in like the super nice way possible, you know, understand that they are not trying to do it wrong, but they get frustrated and they don't know about yeah. doing it the right way. So that's kind of my thing anyway. Yeah. They don't even know yeah, how to go about it and yeah. fix it. Nah. Now, they don't have I will, one quick thing I'll debunk in all of this. So when I was teaching building trades, yeah, I'll picture this. I have to sell a hundred plus thousand dollar house that someone's going to live in. So then now you're on the other side of that where it can't be wrong. You know, it's right. not a kid. It's not a kid's project that they're going to go just like, Hey, you screwed up that jewelry box and that's your fault. And now take it home to your mom, you know, or whatever. It's like, uh, you rewired this outlet and the switch wrong. Uh, I can't close it back up and just pretend it's, you know, it's no big deal. So that was, uh, that was some stressful times there because well, I, well, that's what I wanted to ask you about is how you manage something like that with yeah. students. Cause it's amazing to me. Cause that to me is like, it's a contest in the free market. It's yeah. like the ultimate, yeah. right. It's the ultimate contest. The customer yeah. could care less. Customers yeah. could be like, "No, nah, I don't want that." Yeah, and right. No, and that's and and you're talking about. I mean, you know, we were our school district. You know, we'd we'd spend one hundred ten to one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year building a house. You know, now wow. we would we would turn around. We would basically we would get an. It was a great deal for whoever bought it. Because in, in the town that I teach in, they were getting a house that should have been marketed at about 150 to 160,000 for about 50 grand less. Wow. I mean, it was a good deal. You know, it was whoever bought it was getting a good deal on a brand new house. But, um, you know, I mean, I, we still had, I still had to build everything to code. I still had to have everything inspected. So it's not like, you know, it was just like, ah, people were just doing, going with whatever. Um, if I, I'll try and run through the process real quick as far as uh, basically this time of the year, we would, uh, I, I basically the best way I can describe it is that I was the general contractor. The students were my labors, you know. Now I could sub out, really I could sub out any part that I wanted to of the job but they just wanted us to stay within like sellable parameters basically to turn this turn it back around. Basically what I did was I subbed out the excavation, the foundation, the drywall, uh, the HVAC and the plumbing. And then we did everything else. Wow. So we, we framed, we shingled siding windows, um, electrical, all the finishing stuff as far as, paint flooring carpet um cabinets all the trim you know everything there so we'd, we'd usually build like a little deck off the back of the house or something every year That's um, amazing. A, a normal day was me out at the job site and then the bus um we're, we're not on a block system but what the school would do is they would pair first and second hour together so basically you had to have two open hours in your schedule to take my class. So we would do first and second hour would come out then third and fourth hour would come out. And then in my first four years, I, I, that was, I was just full-time building trades. I was out on the job site all day. I did not come back and teach any classes. Um, and then amazing. that changed. 
Yeah, that changed about year five, I think it was. I think I taught four years like that. And then year five, they started having me come back in and and teach. Like, I would teach, like, one to two classes. Um, and my, the jobs kind of changed up a little bit. But but it was it was good stuff. And, and it's a good program. It's still going. Um, like I said, you know, they're 60 years in. Like, they've done, like, 60 houses in that town. Wow. And, um, no kidding. Yeah, it's it's basically an average of one house a year since like the late 50s i think that's and, amazing. Um, i didn't even know yeah. about this is there more is there a place we could read about it uh we there was a couple yeah there was a couple of uh news articles that were done um one time a tv channel came out interviewed us and did a little blurb on us but if you would probably google like lincoln courier lincoln illinois and then building trades I would I would guess over the last ten years there'd probably be a three or four articles that popped up over it. Um, That's incredible. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, it was a very big learning experience. So like I said, my the the thing. So picture me, you know, you're in August, and the school basically says, "Here's a hundred plus thousand dollars of school money." Um, have a house ready to sell in May <laughs> and do it with these 25 kids. You know? Wow. And uh, it was, it was good. And, and, you know, just like everything, I mean, it had its good things. It had its difficult parts, you know, there's so like the, the whole wood shop thing. Um, there's things that are better for me. There's things that aren't as good for me, you know, with that, but, but it's all good. So it's been enjoyable and, that's a lot of fun. So, but it was, like I said, the, I think my, it was my second year, my third year, my third year, we did the, um, the humane society of Logan County had us build a 3,200 square foot building. And that was an awesome job because it was, we got so much press off of it got a lot of recognition. Um, the humane society was just really grateful for it. Uh, one year we worked with Habitat for Humanity. Um, that was really good. And um, yeah, it was all good stuff. And That's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably going to throw it over to Matt because I think we're running out of time on this one. But <laughs> real quick before we do, um, you don't just have your teaching job. You also have like a side business, right? You're, um, yeah, I you know. do. I take on like a lot of construction and stuff over the summer. Um, just as some extra income for me. Um, but <clears throat> I've kind of, I won't say I've toned it down, but the, especially this year, this, this is about the least amount of construction work I've done. And I've started to try, I'm, I'm wanting to transition and do stuff more out of my own shop here at, at my house where I've even, I host some classes over the summer where like I open it up to adults. Like anybody can, like I do like a hand carving class and stuff like that. And um, it's really good. I've hosted like three or four of them now. And wow, it's a lot of great. fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, I've just, I've just kind of really enjoyed like doing new stuff and getting involved. And, and I guess the one, one final thought I'll say before we leave here is that, uh, you know, like 10 years ago, I was kind of, a, it's a dumb spot to be in. But 10 years ago, I was in a spot where it's like, well, I guess I'll go live out the rest of my life now, you know, and I think that's kind of a common thought amongst people that, you know, are in their mid 20s or whatever. But in the last four or five years, I've realized like, how, number one, how dumb of a thought that was. 
But number two, that like, and just like you two, I see you two guys doing this all the time. Like we're never, we never stop learning. You know, we're students too, you know? And, and I think to me, the best teachers that I see either out today or the best teachers that I had, they were still learning when they were teaching us, you know? And so I just think there's little things like that to keep in mind. Uh, that's well said. Yeah, that's Matt, great. Throw it to you, man. I hate to say anything on top of that. I think uh, we'll just <laughs> wrap it up in that perfect little bow there, Justin. Awesome. So, um, yeah, well, that brings us to about the end of our time here. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Right on. Okay. Guys, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Oh, no problem. Uh, it was awesome. Thanks for – it went too fast. <laughs> I know. Both times time flies, was really fast. Time flies when we're having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. actually – it's funny because it's still recording, but uh, oh. whatever. So, as, and uh, how do they, they – let's see. You got two Instagram things, right? You got Rail yeah. Splitter, which is the high school. Yeah. And you got um, uh, Jay, uh, or Jay Dietrich at, uh, uh, on, on Instagram as well. And thank you for listening to that episode. Jay Dietrich, as well as Rail Splitter Woodshop, his shop Instagram handle, can be found on Instagram. And if you've got any questions for, for him, he's more than receptive to interacting with the shop teacher teacher community our next episode will feature someone who is also very supportive i'm excited about releasing this next episode it'll be the final episode of season two as we look into how we're going to transition into season three ron and i've been talking a lot about the goals of this uh what once started out as a recorded phone conversation and has grown into so much more over a dozen shop teachers meeting weekly via zoom. And uh, we are, we have a few mission objectives. One is to provide the information we wish we would have known to either younger shop teachers or teachers entering the field new from industry and even veteran shop teachers and reminders and things that we may have forgotten or just never realized. That's one of the missions. And one of the other missions is to put you guys on the pedestal that you deserve to be on. So to showcase some of the awesome ingenuity that goes behind the role we, we serve and highlight a lot of what you guys are doing and and basically be on offense with what our types of programs are able to accomplish and and the things we're able to achieve the better any one of us looks the better we all look so we want to we want to highlight that stuff at the same time we want to provide a safe place for you guys to interact and communicate so our weekly Zoom meetings have been that so far. You can pop in, complain about your boss, be, turn it into your own therapy session, as well as receive the support of your shop teachers and know that we're not going to just publish that stuff out. We looked into it for a while and we realized that we needed to balance things out. 
both provide a place where everyone feels comfortable. And then fine tune it, the highlights, and get the highlights out for the world and other shop teachers to see. So if you have experience, or even no experience, but are interested in helping with the audio, video, or written release of that style of content, please email us at shopclasspodcast at gmail.com. And you can join, join our growing team of people who are looking to provide the information we wish we would have had, provide a safe place for shop teachers to interact and receive support, while at the same time providing a highlight reel for the rest of the world to see and gain respect for the things we do. Thank you for listening. We'll see you for the final episode next time around of season two.